The University of Louisville and Louisville Presbyterian Seminary has named Duncan Brukin Williams the winner of the 2022 Grawmeyer Award in Religion. It comes with a $100,000 prize. His research into how Japanese-American Buddhists kept up their faith practices while detained in internment camps earned him the accolade. Williams is a professor at the University of Southern California and a Soto Zen Buddhist priest. He spoke with WFPL's Stephanie Wolf. After the Pearl Harbor attack, the federal government forced more than 120,000 people of Japanese ancestry into internment camps. And your research shows that the majority of those who were incarcerated were Buddhist. And they found ways to continue their worship despite harsh conditions in the camps. You've said that, quote, karmic conditions connected you to this history. What were those conditions? I was in graduate school and uh, my professor, when he passed away suddenly during my studies, I discovered that his father was a Buddhist priest in one of these camps. And I started to translate that diary from Japanese into English. This is about 20 years ago. I, I started to learn more about this history. And that's when I began to understand a little bit about the life of these people, how they endured it during this difficult uh, wartime years. Will you say more about what you learned about that time from those papers and diary that you found from the Buddhist priests? It was the largest Buddhist community at the time. And in fact, two thirds of the 125,000 people were you know, U.S. citizens. The things that surprised me was that the government did not give these American citizens what we would normally consider, you know, before you have to go behind barbed wire into a prison, usually have some kind of trial. So constitutional principles like due process or religious freedom, et cetera, they were kind of not afforded to this community at the time. But on the other hand, for the Buddhists among them, they drew on their Buddhist faith. The Christians among them, they drew on their Christian faith. And so for people who are in the sudden dislocation, it's not surprising that in that moment of you know, disorientation, turn to things that are steady. And so that's what their, I think, faith life did uh, for them. It, it helped them to give them a sense of meaning and purpose, uh, even in the time floss. I think also one of the other fascinating aspects of this story is that you know, there were uh, tens of thousands of people who either volunteered or were drafted into the U.S. military at the time. And, you know, the U.S. Army was kind of segregated, had black units, and, uh, but they had a Japanese-American unit called the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. They were on the front lines. These were people that had to leave their, you know, siblings or parents behind in these camps. And, and, and so if you can imagine, like, your government is imprisoning your family, but you're still trying to serve as a loyal American. I'm curious, too, if from those papers, if you learned anything about what this priest, who's a spiritual leader during this time, what he said to others who were in the internment camp to give them that faith, that hope to keep going. Uh, Certainly one of the sermons that I looked at referred to this metaphor in the Buddhist tradition. It's called the lotus flower that blossoms above muddy waters. Usually in the classic text, the lotus flower is supposed to be uh, one's uh, liberation, freedom, awakening. And it grows out, though, of the mud or the kind of difficulties of life. Uh, Usually the idea is like you try to transcend it. But his message to the congregation that was there was, it's not that lotus flowers can grow in pure water or sterile water. They'll actually not be able to grow. They need the mud as nutrient to to rise up. 
What are some of the other ways people were able to maintain their Buddhist faith and traditions while in these internment camps? The, the two things I think that were really important is that people took things like that teaching and got perspective and maintained that in community. One of the things I think in the Buddhist tradition, it's called Sangha or community, but it's one of the three pillars or the three treasures of the tradition. It said that you can't achieve freedom or liberation by yourself, but you need to do it in community. I think that was one important message. I think the other one is that people kind of adapted. You know, they were in these remote desert locations, very inhospitable living conditions, but they found desert wood and carved Buddhist altars out of them. What do you think is the lasting legacy of these individuals' unwavering commitment to their faith while they were in these internment camps? You know, I think all of these constitutional principles and aspirations we have as Americans around due process or religious freedom, et cetera, they're just words on a piece of paper unless somebody enacts them and actualizes them. And for me, despite all these pressures to not be Buddhist, this was a community that maintained and persisted in their faith tradition. And that's what actually makes America America or makes America a land of freedom, of religious freedom and pluralism that the founders envisioned. And so to me, that's the lasting legacy of this history is despite being told you don't belong, these are people who said, no, we are Americans. We are happen to be of the Buddhist faith, but we're going to actually continue to practice that because that's what actually makes America different. 